You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 138, The Role of Victim Advocates. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by Sandy, who has so much wisdom and expertise in this area. And Sandy, our topic today, victim advocates, is something that... I know exists, <laughs> and I know there are advocates, but that's about the extent of my understanding of what uh, victim advocates do. And I know they do great work, but I'm really interested in today's conversation just to learn more about this and educate myself. And also, in addition, of course, uh, helping our community to study the issues more um, around this, who also may not know very much about victim advocates and how they play a role in ending human trafficking. Well, I think that um, looking at victim advocates is something we haven't spent a lot of time. We talk a lot about survivor needs and how victim service providers respond to victims. We've talked about trauma-informed care and things like that. But there is a group of professionals across different disciplines, whether it's child abuse, um, domestic violence, victims of of violent crimes. And those victim advocates play a very unique role because their first responsibility is to the victim. And so when they talk to the victim, um, it's usually in a one-on-one setting. Um, They're not being observed by law enforcement. And their role then is much closer to to the victim. And they've developed fabulous um, abilities and skills and talents and um, techniques for developing trust and building relationships. And those victim advocates now are entering the arena of addressing issues with human trafficking victims. So they already have the expertise. And the recommendation then is that they would acquire some specialized training in the unique issues around human trafficking. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity for us to introduce human trafficking to victim advocates in other fields and to build the understanding for community and government partners about what victim advocates do. So for instance, if you are working with a victim and law enforcement is involved and you're the victim advocate, um, law enforcement may not necessarily understand your role and they may ask you to um, do things that would not be in the best interest of your relationship with your client. And so this is an area that I think most of the community doesn't really understand. I have a lot of people who want to volunteer. They want to work with victims. They want to work with survivors. And one of the best areas for them to go into, especially my students that come and talk to me, uh, is to learn how to be a victim advocate. And it is a specialized role and very necessary in serving this particular population. 
I know something that um, you've wanted to touch on in this conversation is just the overall context of victim advocates. And I, I'm wondering if you can help me because I, I, I go on the assumption that a lot of this is done as a volunteer capacity, but are there organizations that sponsor advocates? Is there a process for identifying who people are? Is, are there people who are have salary jobs to do this or is it all volunteer? I just, I, I feel very um, naive on just how this works, Sandy. I was wondering if well, you could help. Generally, it is a, a salaried position. There is an advocate that is assigned. Um, you have victim advocates in the uh, DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency. You have victim advocates in um, the district attorney's office. Our, our Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force has specific victim advocates. And I think that as the um, awareness and understanding of overlap of victims in other um, crime issues, as that grows, there's more of a need for those already established professionals to expand their understanding of human trafficking. And so this podcast today is to introduce a tool that you can use if you're already a victim advocate, um, if you want to explore the idea of pursuing a career as a victim advocate, like so many of the emails I get uh, from this podcast and other students, this is a great way to look at this. And what I particularly like about this particular tool, it's been produced by the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. So this is a uh, long-standing center that already has um, a large community of victim advocates, and they began to understand the overlap, particularly in the area of sex trafficking, but also they began to understand um, the issue in the context of labor trafficking. So they produced a tool that would provide that um, introduction to the specialized training to bring what they already know into the arena of human trafficking. And the layout of, of this guide for victim advocates um, clearly focuses on the role of the advocate in the context of the issue. So we start off with um, a very simple context of the issue of human trafficking. In the first nine pages, for the person who has been listening to this podcast, they're going to say, oh, I already knew that. Oh, I already knew that. Risk factors and what is labor trafficking and sex trafficking. And of course, our favorite AMP model, the action, means, and purpose. But for the person who hasn't been involved in this, those first nine pages are really important. And I think... Um, particularly the focus on the difference between trafficking and smuggling. And we haven't touched on that in a long time, but it is an area that's becoming um, a hot topic in our um, national conversation now because the issue of immigration and undocumented people is high on the list of conversation topics. So being able to intelligently articulate why you can be an advocate for someone who is a foreigner without documents here, uh, you need to be able to explain the difference between human trafficking and smuggling. And of course, if you want to look on page eight of this document, and we're going to post the link to the PDF, you will have um, a very well outlined argument. But the most important thing to remember is someone who came here, whether it was through 
fraud, um, and they they actually were with someone who was smuggling them across um, a national border. If they were under some kind of coercion, um, uh, offer of a fraudulent job, they ended up owing money on this side of the border, then the exploitation that they suffer may very clearly become identified as human trafficking because they don't have the power to and the agency to change that. So uh, in the smuggling situation, they do have more power and agency. Is that the big distinction between the two? Yeah, so if they're at the border and they paid someone to smuggle them across the border, they shake hands, they part, and that person leaves um, entirely in their own um, power. But the trafficking victim is taken someplace. Um, they may not know where they are. They have no documents. They, their family may have been threatened. Um, and they're working in a situation where they may not even speak the language and have any kind of access to escape. Makes sense. So one is a human rights fail- violation, and the other is um, a crime against the state. Yeah, legal situation. Right, right. So those are things that um, are important in the overview. And of course, um, the idea of who are the victims, that's a really important discussion. And what I especially liked about how this guide addresses this is that it starts with labor trafficking. And my goal, I've kind of set a goal in 2017. I want people to understand the connections in labor trafficking and sex trafficking, especially with regards to women. And my, and of course, this is the Global Center for Women and Justice Ending Human Trafficking podcast. And the, um, the experience of women who have been labor trafficked includes often some sexual harassment, sexual violence that are often used to instill fear and maintain control. And that's a very common narrative that we hear over and over again. So it is totally within the context of the sexual violence um, agenda that we have in this document to be more in tune with labor trafficking issues around sexual violence, as well as we already are with sex trafficking and sexual violence. So a big connection there. And uh, there is a reason it's called human trafficking, right? Because there are a lot of different lenses that we can look through this of sex trafficking, of labor trafficking, and and others, I'm sure, too, that even have gray zones between those, right? Right. And and the the problem for me in the in the media and the perception of of trafficking victims, there seems to be a scale that might sort of say, okay, these are the worst victims because they've been sold for commercial sex. And that is horrendous. But then a little lower um, ur- sense of urgency and indig- indignation when they're labor trafficking victims. It's like, okay, we can wait and rescue them later. But how many of those labor trafficking victims are suffering many of the same um, violence, violent indignities? So the, um, the inclusion of labor trafficking in this guide is really well done. 
So uh, how does the victim advocate get involved? At what stage and, and what happens at the very beginning, Sandy, where a victim advocate is identified or enters the conversation with a victim? Well, when the victim um, sits down with a victim advocate, the victim advocate starts asking questions right away. And many of the time, many times, um, they've missed clues that this was a trafficking situation, which is the reason that this guide is is a great introductory tool. And they um, they have an opportunity because they're already trained to build trust, and they have some privacy in their um, in their com- conversation with the victim. So they start asking questions that are. Um, focused on what the victim really needs, not on what we are looking for in order to identify trafficking. So identifying trafficking is a secondary goal for a victim advocate, not their primary goal. Their primary goal is truly to be an advocate for the victim. And a good initial question when you are talking with a potential trafficking victim is to ask, are you afraid of anyone? Or are you safe right now? So the focus is on what that person is feeling. Mm -hmm. And the same questions that we often ask in other contexts, we've talked about this for healthcare providers and and many others, is to ask if they're being forced, um, if they uh, have had photos taken of them and used somewhere, um, all of the same kinds of questions. But then you start asking um, more questions about their living circumstances because a victim advocate is very interested in how you're how you're surviving, and they may ask questions about their job and if they feel like they're being paid fairly. Are they working normal hours? Can you come and go? Many of the same kinds of things, um, but they don't do that on their own. They ask questions in the context of what that victim's um, current situation is and how can we make you safe? And the focus is on safety. So the, um, when you look, and I'll just tell you, those questions are on page 11 and 12, if you're going to download and look at this, but there's also, um, they sort of split it up. I would have kept it together, but on page 17, the how to communicate with human trafficking victims really is important because the focus there is you're safe. Um, you're a victim, not a criminal, especially in labor trafficking situations where they've been told you're breaking the law. You don't have documents. And we've all um, listened to Shima's story on this podcast and um, the video on our webpage. She really thought that the police were coming to take her not to rescue her. And that is the story over and over again. If I ask for help and I am a foreigner, I'm a criminal and they're going to take me. They're not going to help me. So convincing them, you're safe, you're a victim, not a criminal, and you can trust me and you have rights. And that's why it's so important that we understand the difference between trafficking and smuggling because Trafficking is a human rights violation. So understanding the the communication along with what questions to ask are really important. And I see one of the words that's in this document quite a bit 
is the word collaboration. And that's my favorite word. I know. It's one of our favorite words on the show. And so um, this is no different, I imagine, than many of the other aspects of trafficking we've talked about over the years in the importance of collaboration. But I'm wondering how that works um, in, in the lens of looking through it from the victim advocate of how collaboration comes into play. Well, this means that the victim advocate needs to have a really large network, an expansive network, because the agencies that can assist in human trafficking services are broad. And I I sometimes talk to people in cities about what their their human trafficking task force or coalition is doing. Oh, well, we don't have this and we don't have that. Uh, Just go to page 13 and brainstorm, sit down at the table, all the victim advocates and your whole team, and look at the agencies that very commonly can collaborate to assist victims. And you may not have even reached out to the district attorney's office. I just talked to a group here in Southern, in Central California, and they've collaborated with the consulate in their town for their, the Mexican consulate and have found additional resources for Spanish speaking victims. Um, there are lots of domestic violence programs that have been helping with providing housing because housing is such a limited resource. And of course, we've talked about faith-based programs. Um, health services don't have to be housed in a human trafficking organization. You can reach out to your public health um, you can reach out to local hospitals. Many times, nonprofit hospitals are very interested in figuring out how they can help. Substance abuse programs are, this is like they're waking up to their role in human trafficking, and they're a great place to find resources for the victim advocate. So you go down this list, spend some time and identifying who is in your geographic area that you can collaborate with to find resources. Fair enough. And I'm wondering, um, what are some of the, and we were talking about this document, of course, um, what are some of the other resources that a victim advocate uh, would want to seek out or would want to know about in addition to this document and the organization? Well, particularly, they're going to want to find um, legal services And legal services need to have some experience with what human trafficking is. Now, of course, um, if the FBI or Homeland Security is involved, then there is the option that the um, U.S. Attorney's Office will provide legal support. But many times, those resources are not available um, in in a quick fashion. And so being able to respond locally with legal services from pro bono, special legalized uh, foundations, where they have training, particularly in immigration law, and understand how to um, how to help foreign victims. Homeland Security is always involved in in the legal process of of getting a continued presence visa. And those kind of legal considerations are really important for the victim advocate to know how to access. The victim advocate does not have to understand all of the legal process, but they need to know how to find um, those resources for their victims. 
and to overlook that puts the victim at risk. And of course, our first priority is that the victim is going to be safe. And I think um, the idea that the victim advocate has special skills and especially with knowledge of confidentiality and crisis response, they've if they've worked with victims of crime, they already have a network and they don't have to go start a new one. They just need everybody to get on the same page. And how are we going to apply for a T visa? How are we going to apply for continued presence? And everybody sitting around the table uh, working together with a victim advocate's eye to is this victim safe and keeping their um, dignity, their confidentiality a priority. That's an important aspect of uh, the victim advocate's role because they, I've been in meetings where the victim advocate is the voice um, saying, no, we're not going to go do that because that would be really risky for our victim. The victim advocate is saying, no, we're not going to to call this person or that person because we need to maintain confidentiality. The victim advocate is a hero in my eyes because their focus is on what is best for their client. And you have had students who have approached you in the past about an interest in exploring this work and even the field. And I'm wondering, Sandy, um, I know one of the ways that uh, folks could potentially help is if they have been victim advocates in other areas, potentially helping out in the area of trafficking as well, too. For someone who has not had that professional experience or that training, what's the best entry point um, to start to learn more or to volunteer or to begin to move along a development path that would be able to, where they'd be able to serve like this? Well, I think first they have to sit down and see what the um, existing skills they already have and what their interests are. When my students come to me and say, how do I get a degree in human trafficking? I always laugh and say there isn't a degree in human trafficking, at least not at Vanguard University, because we need a multidimensional team, multidisciplinary team. And if you're going to help, you may need to go to law school so you can be the immigration attorney. Um, you may need to be a healthcare provider so you can provide medical services. Or you might decide that education and building uh, training programs to restore victims is going to be a really important role for you. So understanding the multidisciplinary um, nature of this and finding your part in this. And of course, one of the best ways to explore, especially for um, students, is to listen to the human trafficking, Ending Human Trafficking podcast and the various approaches. We have podcasts that are focused on, on risk factors, on prevention, on aftercare, the, the entire um, scope. And find which ones really resonate with you to pursue that and use what you already love doing. Don't leave what you've studied, but intensify and and um, study it more specifically with the human trafficking victim in place. So um, and I, I know one of the things you're thinking about doing, Sandy, is, is starting to maybe put together our podcasts in the past in, in some sort of way that's curated for people who are looking for specific areas and set maybe an option Exactly. For people in the future, um, and and of course, um, and you you mentioned a minute ago, you said you know there's no there's no degree for 
human trafficking. Um, and right away, as you, as you said, I was thinking about the certificate. If there is a certificate oh, yeah. uh, through, right. through Vanguard University. Um, how would that fit into something like this as far as preparing someone either for this field or for something else related to trafficking? The online human trafficking um, certificate, anti-human trafficking certificate, um, has four courses, three units each. The first three-unit course is the the big scope of human trafficking. The second course is aftercare. Um, the third course is commercial sexual exploitation of children. And the fourth course is human trafficking and ethics. And with those 12 units, we feel that um, a professional can extend their knowledge in the area of human trafficking and apply it right where they are. And that those seeking to work in that field would have evidence that they have um, a knowledge baseline that would make them a valuable and uh, competent um, employee if they decide to apply for a job. Or to many times people are making lateral changes from one area in a child welfare or social service program, schools, nonprofits, and this certificate would help um, identify your expertise. And I'll throw one in here too. We, of course, have our annual Ensure Justice Conference, which is a very helpful starting point for anyone who's uh, planning to be helpful in any way collaborative in, in this issue of ending human trafficking. And uh, Sandy, that's coming up uh, here in the spring. That's right. March 3rd and 4th, Ensure Justice, Build a Strong Child. Our focus is going to be on prevention and it is not something you want to miss. Our recent uh, podcast guest, John Cotton Richmond, will be there. Um, Ken Morris from the Frederick Douglass Family Initiative will be there, along with uh, friends um, in our local community, um, juvenile justice, child welfare, and social service representatives. And, and of course, our Live to Free team will uh, be training young people to replicate what we're doing here in Orange County. And of course, it'd be helpful if you're planning to investigate more of being an advocate, but especially if you're working with children for this particular year, Sandy, because we are going to spend so much time zeroing in on on looking at things from the child's perspective. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see and that come together. We added a workshop track this year uh, for legal advocates, and we're partnering with our Orange County Bar Association. And on Saturday afternoon, there will be a three-hour uh, segment with CLEs for attorneys who are interested in pursuing um, serving victims of human trafficking. Fabulous. And uh, where folks can find the registration online is at, um, is it at the GCWJ website? There's two ways. You can go to vanguard.edu forward slash GCWJ and click on the conferences. The other way is just go to insurejustice.com. Well, I hope this has given folks a, a little bit of a framework of the role of the victim advocate. I know it has for me, Sandy. I, I wasn't... Um, I'm much more knowledgeable now than I was a half hour ago. So thank you. And I, I hope that you, if you have had a question that's come up during this conversation, uh, that you'll reach out to us uh, and, and either check out one of the resources we've just mentioned, or maybe reach out to us directly with a question. Uh, you can reach us by email at gcwj at vanguard.edu. That stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice. That's here at Vanguard University. You can also reach us by phone 
6360. And of course, uh, we'll be back in, uh, very soon for the next episode, Sandy. And uh, believe we're going to have Deputy Chief Derek Marsh back for That's right. another, uh, another visit. That. Yeah, me too. So uh, thanks again, and we'll see you all for the next episode. Take care.